Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. I'm your host, Jack McLean, and tonight my guest is Jacob Tober. He is Head of Research and Athletic Development at Core Advantage and co-founder of Metric, an app that tracks barbell velocity. Before we start tonight's episode, our mission here at Prepare Like a Pro is to empower aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. If you like the show, please show support by following us on Instagram and subscribing to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks for jumping on, Jacob. Thanks for having me, Jack. It's uh, good to be here. Yeah, looking forward to it. Let, let's dive right to the beginning of, of your journey as a strength and conditioning coach. At what age did you start and um, when did you discover you had a passion for it? Yeah, uh, I think like most of your guests from the episodes I've listened to, I started as an athlete and then ended up being a failed athlete. And then sort of transitions like, well, I love sports so much. And I like performance. How do I stay involved in this even though I can't make the team? And so I was mad keen on my basketball and my footy as a junior. I had more of a, um, more of a skill set for basketball than footy. I wasn't quite tough enough for Aussie rules, but I uh, played a lot of basketball as a junior and sort of was okay, but never amazing. And, and always lacked athleticism. And so I'd get in the gym and I was like, how can I get my jump up, get my speed up and my quickness? And so I turned to weights and resistance training. Uh, and didn't do it all great at the start. Uh, didn't have much uh, help and supervision along the way, so I made a lot of mistakes, um, but really learned to enjoy the process and the process of getting stronger. And it was very numbers-based. I'm a very numbers sort of grid kind of thinker, I think, in matrices. So um, having things in numbers and grids like that really appealed to me. And then I was like, well, uh, this might be a job. So did sports science at Deakin, uh, graduated in 2013, which is starting to show my age, almost 10 years ago since I finished uni. Um, and then from there, I fell into the job at Core Advantage, did the internship, loved it, uh, learned so much from my mentor and the boss here, Darren McInnes. Um, he taught me so much and it still is to this day, teaching me you know, great thinking skills and, and how to apply that stuff. Um, and I've been in the private sector ever since. I had a little small stint at Oakley Chargers with the under-15s and the under-18s program. I sort of interned and sort of part-time work there, but then loved the mission here at Core Advantage, helping athletes of all sports, all ages, um, get better, reach that next level. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I've come from, where I'm at. Uh, basketball, footy uh, is my background, but we now work with all athletes of all kinds and all shapes and sizes and rehab and performance stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. Thanks, thanks for sharing. And you, you mentioned um, going to the gym to improve your athleticism. Was that, um, you know, did someone at school reach out to you and say that you might be helpful? Was it a teammate or did you just literally do a bit of research on how can I get more powerful and, and saw that the gym might be helpful? Yeah, uh, self-discovery mostly, I think. Um, I, yep. had a P, I had a PE teacher who was big on his kettlebells and resistance training and, and circuits type stuff. And I was like, oh, that looks pretty cool. This is like year nine, year 10 kind of thing. And our mm -hmm. school backed onto the old YMCA at the time. Um, and so they had a teen membership thing where you could go along and initially, the team membership was you could do group classes, um, which was kind of a bit aerobics -y. And I was like, this isn't going to make me more powerful. Uh, yeah. I'd read a lot of men fitness, men's fitness magazines at the time. The, the Google and, and Instagram wasn't as much of a thing back when I was a teenager. Um, so I started with men's fitness magazines and was like, follow this program to get strong legs and to you know, run fast and things like that. And 
most of the stuff I was doing, I'm pretty ashamed of now, knowing what I do know about performance. So none of it was actually good for my vertical leap or my speed or anything like that. Going for yeah, 10K yeah. runs before school is not the best way to get more explosive as a basketballer or as a footballer. Um, so a lot of mistakes and a lot of bad training, but the process of doing the training is what I really became to love and enjoy. And so even though I wasn't getting the results on the court uh, or on the field with my footy in come winter, um, I really enjoyed the process and actually going to the gym and then sort of my love for sport transitioned to a love for performance. Um, so yeah, but mostly it was yeah, self-discovery. That PE teacher was pretty helpful. Mr. Jessup, not sure he is now. Um, yep. But that, and I came from a small town, so I lived in a town of 10,000 people, Portland, uh, which is about five hours from Melbourne. And my friendship group anyway was sport obsessed. Everything was about sport. And so summer was basketball and cricket, and then winter was footy. And it was just, that was all people talked about and did. And so you just, you tried to be as good as you could to make the highest team you possibly could so you could get the most out of it and be part of those social circles. It was kind of what it was all built around. And you mentioned the, the, the uh, passion for wanting to work in, in performance and, uh, and help athletes and, and going to Deakin. Um, did you have mentors that sort of influenced you at that stage that you're looking up to that were doing that currently or did you sort of just were aware of the industry and thought that 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 would be a good fit for yourself yeah so coming out of high school uh i knew i I knew sports science was a degree and i knew i wanted to do that and at the time i was still very very obsessed with my basketball specifically and i wanted Mm -hmm. to be a basketball coach and so what i didn't realize at that time was that all all the paid basketball coaches were former paid basketball players so you had to sort of be at a professional level as a player to become a professional coach so I was doing sort of coaching uh, majors and coaching sort of electives within my degree and it wasn't until probably year two when I did a, um, a traineeship with the Sandy Zebras just running water and taping ankles in the VFL that I realized there was a thing called a strength and conditioning coach that could get paid to work in the gym and so I was like I like the gym I knew personal trainers were a thing I was like oh you could do personal training but for athletes, I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of what I want to do. So I shifted my focus from sport coaching into gym stuff. It's like I could do this kind of personal training thing, which I'd already done my certificate three and four during my gap year. So, yep. so I could do that, and I could, but I could work with athletes, which is what I really enjoyed. So you know, I liked my coaching, and I was still coaching in basketball and playing a bit and sort of being involved with the Oakley Chargers of the under-15s program. It's like I like being around motivated, enthusiastic young athletes who want to get better. It's like how can I do more of that? Um, and so that's how I sort of went from sports coaching into strength coaching. And then you mentioned core advantage to talk us through the connection there. Was that, was it something to do with Deacon or did you have a direct relationship already with Durham at that stage? How did you yeah, start so, there? So one of my teammates was training with Durham. He said, if you like basketball and if you like weights, you should go check out this guy, Durham. He's got works out of a gym in St. Kilda, Balaclava. I was like, all right, I'll check that out. So send him an email, just cold email. Hi, my name's Jacob. I'm staying at Deacon. I need to do an internship. I'd love to know if you had anything. This is November. Heard back. Yeah. No, sorry, nothing official. We're not doing anything. Um, but thanks for getting in touch. If anything changes, I'll let you know. And then come January, uh, I got an email back from them again. Hey, Jacob, things have changed. We're doing a formal internship, just a small program this year. Would you like to be part of it? I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Come down for an interview. Went down to the interview, botched it. Complete horrible interview. Just I went in with too much confidence and I'd read too many magazines and I, I was too much of a bro scientist in the bottom of my Dunning-Kruger effect curve where I just thought I knew everything because I was, you know, late third-year uni student. So yeah, I yeah, told yeah. them how I'd do everything better. And, you know, Durham's got the more experience than anyone I know in strength and conditioning here in Melbourne and in Australia. 
Um, and so he's like, Jacob, you've, you've stuffed this interview up a bit, but I think we can help you. I think we can teach you a little bit here and make you a bit of a better coach and a bit more humble. It's like, yeah. thanks for the feedback. That's, that's great. Uh, yeah. And so I was lucky enough to get a spot in the very first Core Advantage internship. Ah, that back in how's that? 2000, 2013, yeah. So it was a class of four. Four people applied, four people got in. Uh, I think yep. if I did that same interview now and try it again when we have 50 applicants per semester, I would not be so lucky. Yeah. Uh, so that was an amazing experience. And then in the first six months of that internship, I learned more working with Durham and Rob at the time who was doing the education side of things. I learned more from those two than I reckon most of my degree in terms of practical stuff. So yep. having the degree knowledge was essential. Like if I didn't have that anatomy base and the coaching fundamentals base, I wouldn't have been able to learn from those guys. But mm -hmm. they then just took it to a whole nother level. It's like, here's how you spot a bench. Here's how you set good loads. Here's how to coach an athlete to lift with more intent. Here's how to, you know, look for corrections on stretches. All that little stuff that you don't think about during uni that you learn when you start coaching 20 athletes a day, 10 athletes yeah. in the gym at the same time going through their programs and you've got to try and keep an eye on all of them. So that was such an awesome practical learning experience. And I loved it so much I haven't left. So I stayed. Yeah. So became the second or third hire at the company. And then we moved from the small personal training gym that we're in to just renting space to our own facility, which is out here in Oakley East now, where we've got our own space and a bunch more athletes and a bunch more coaches and a whole program. So it's been, it's been really cool well, to be part of that. Yeah, that's what was the space called? Is this Body World? No. That's the one, um, yeah, Body World. Yeah, it is Club, uh, which is, which was on the here. third floor. Yep. So if, you had, if, you, if you're an ACL rehabber, you'd have to hobble up the stairs on your crutches do your workout and then hobble back down on your crutches, but they would do it. Building, resili building resilience from the start. Exactly. <laughs> Even before warm-up. Um, yeah, I, I, that's, that's a great story. So first induction of the uh, internship and, um, yeah, it's been a, obviously a successful move for you. Timing is everything in, in our journey uh, in, in this industry. So obviously, I saw something in you and, and, and that confidence that you talked about um, how important is it from a buy-in perspective to really you know, have that confidence when you are working with your athletes and, and I guess to be able to sell the program to them if, if that's a strength of yours? How often would you draw on that for, it's, for athletes? It started, as a, it started as a weakness though because I had misplaced confidence. I thought I was ready to be a high-performance manager. I thought I could step into a VFL team, an AFL team and show them how it's done. And what I hadn't factored in was the interpersonal factors and the, you know, you can't, all, can't always let perfect be the enemy of good. Sometimes you might have a perfect plan and you've read it in textbook or you've seen it done or heard it on a podcast. Mm. And then, you know, COVID happens and you're playing in Queensland and you're a Melbourne-based team and, you know, things have gone sideways and you can't really apply that same perfect plan. So you've got to make it up on the go. So I would not have had those skills um, at the time. So I think... Uh, it's confidence, but within your own skill. So now I feel a lot more confident in those sort of things, the ability to be flexible and dynamic and, and think on my feet. Um, and then I think uh, being a bit more honest with your athletes. Like if you don't know a thing, just like, I'm not sure, you know, we're, we're working this out together. I think that's okay at, from a coaching point of view and from an intern, you know, young coach point of view, if you're, if you're just starting out. Athletes can smell, um, am I allowed to swear, Jack? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Athletes can smell bullshit. If you're yep. a bullshitter, they'll know. And if you're there for yourself, they'll know. So um, from a coach intern point of view, being a little more humble, being a little more connected, um, slowing down, not rushing. It's not all about you and about where you want to go. Just you know, enjoying the process a bit and 
developing human connection. I think um, that is where you can build, build, build a lot of confidence. So if you're, if you're confident in your skills, but you also know your limits and your athlete mm. knows that you're going to be honest and trustworthy of that sort of stuff, I think that's going to send you a lot further than trying to fumble your way through with fake confidence, which is what I had when I first started. Um, but I think uh, Durham and the internship program and, and, and sort of eating a bit of humble pie in that horrible interview I had um, helped me course correct. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm okay at this. I'm a good coach. Uh, I know some stuff, but there's still so much I don't know. And I need to be a little more open to that and a little more willing to learn those things as opposed to just sort of thinking I've got it all, all covered when maybe I don't. And you know, I've got more covered now, but there's still spaces where I'm always learning on social media and podcasts and from the team here at Core Advantage for sure. Yeah, oh, it's, there would have been over 10 gems there for, for a developing strength and conditioning coach uh, listening in. The, yeah, it's that, thanks for sharing that. And uh, nice. yeah, it's obviously you want to make sure to build that relationship with the athlete that you are open and honest. It's such an important thing uh, and being vulnerable and open to um, areas that you're not sure of rather than faking it, like you said, uh, goes a long way because uh, athletes will, will pick it up. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. And in terms of the practical elements, you talked about some of those tips and tricks that you, you know, an experienced coach has from, from years of working in the trenches, so to speak. Um, though, did you feel like that fast tracked your ability to be able to develop athletes? Like those little things on how to spot with confidence when they're lifting heavy and those cues with stretching and mobility and activation and warm ups and all the different chapters that would have been in the internship. Uh, how, if you put years on it, how, how much do you reckon you, you gained from that from a, I guess, competitive oh. point of view for SNCs listening? Yeah, I think, I think a good internship with plenty of practical time where you're actually getting to work with the athletes and make mistakes. So you get a chance to do the coaching, stuff it up, and then have your mentor go, hey, Jacob, we, like this, we found this works better. Try it if you do this. Or you were too heavy-handed with that athlete, you need to be a little softer because they're a little nervous in the situation. I think the combination of good you know, education stuff, but also the uh, on-floor on practical stuff, I think in that six to 12 months, that first six to 12 months, I reckon I got 10 years of experience because Durham was so good at, at sharing that stuff and giving me the right amount of space to make those mistakes, but do it safely. I think um, a, a decade of experience was, was added on there for sure, um, which, which I hope has helped me not make 10 years worth of mistakes. Uh, which I think a lot of coaches can sometimes do and they kind of fumble through themselves. They don't spend time around other coaches. They don't get involved in footy programs at a, at a, a NAB Cup level it is now. It was cut when I was there. Um, working with good mentors, reaching out to people, asking good questions. They, you know, they scroll through social media and they go, oh, I've seen that. I could do that. I could do that. Okay, that. You, there's some nuance here. Like they might've done a, you know, a 30 second video and a little caption but there's a lot of thought that's gone into what that 30 seconds was or what that caption said. And so the things they left out are important as well. And the, the context and all those kind of factors need to be thought about as well. And so getting a good uh, mentor, speaking to them either in person or online is really, really valuable to keep you steered on the right direction and get that feedback, get that feedback loop moving faster. So if you make mistakes, you can learn, correct, and then apply that correction the next time as soon as possible. Well, that was been, that's been my experience anyways, that Durham, has been, Durham was so good at that. An incredible, incredible mentor, not just for me, but all our interns get so much out of working uh, side by side with him and, and all the coaches he's built as well. So the rest of our team has all gone through that internship too, so for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned um, future work came from it. So talk us through the next step after the internship. What, what did life look like for you then? Yeah, so I, I got hired straight out of it. Durham was like, 
we're really we're really impressed with your potential and your growth and you've made you know really good strides we'd like to keep you on casual for for the next six months so i worked casual that was still at body world um so i was there casually uh coaching mostly writing a little bit of programs doing coaching tidying up on the floor you know that does that sort of stuff always got to happen as well and then um went from casual to full-time and then rob who was running our internship at the time he left and so i took over the internship i was now the most second most senior coach and darren was busy planning this facility that I'm sitting in right now. Um, so he's planning that and, and organizing equipment and getting a place and getting rubber flooring and all that kind of fun stuff that goes with starting a gym. Um, yep. And so I sort of became a pseudo head coach in a way. So I was running the, the gym floor, most of the gym floor sessions, coaching, just getting lots of hours in, working with our 100 plus athletes and then running the next round of internships. So I think the fourth internship was the first one that I helped co-lecture on. And then I think I was in charge of it from the fifth. So two years after my internship number one, I was writing the presentations, doing the research, and then delivering the lectures to the interns once a week, plus running the 20-week program on the floor, delivering the mentorship alongside Durham. Right. And it's one thing I've noticed early on when, um, when I met you, Jacob, was your ability to communicate um, really clearly either in front of the camera or running a group. Uh, and you know, communicate effectively in the sense that everyone will understand what they need to do, um, whether it be watching a YouTube episode. Do you feel like you know, early on in your career by um, working in that internship and leading it, um, you were able to practice those skill sets in terms of communication? Massively. I think that was a huge early accelerator for that skill set. And I didn't realize it was going to be such an important skill set with the world moving to more digital and the need to market mm. and share stuff on social and do things like podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. but, but getting up in front of a, a class of 10 interns who weren't that much younger than me, they were three or four years behind me. And then I have to appear like this. And there's a bit of fake it till you make it. You have to appear like you are the smartest person in the room to a degree uh, and yep. then deliver with confidence and know your research and talk for 90 minutes about squat mechanics and lower body anatomy uh, and then field questions and, and keep it engaging and keep it interesting with that just sort of waffling off into a monotone of oh this is such and such a study at all 2019 like that can get a bit dry and we wanted to make the internship a little less so you know grounded in science but a little more practical so it's like here is an interesting study here's what that means for what we do in the in the gym when we have an actual teenager an 18 year old who wants to go to college or who wants to get drafted next year into the afl what are we actually going to apply from that study into their program and then the other factors that we need to consider in that program as well they all kind of fold in together and making those nuanced decisions and understanding that everything is related is really important there. I mean, so, yes, I this, think the, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. this is all at Body World while the like, public people are just training in the gym and doing their thing or like did you have a uh, private space while you're lecturing? We had a bit <laughs> of a space. Room, I imagine. It, yeah. it was a uh, boxing uh, classroom. So it had like foam pads on the ground set up for like a mini sparring type situation. So you could like people would go in there and do like bo- uh, kickboxing classes and there's some right. heavy bags on the side and they do boxing classes or even yoga in there. And so we'd roll the Swiss balls in, taking our clipboards and our pens, roll up the, um, the projector and do it there. So often it was presenting barefoot, cross-legged on the mm. ground in front of yeah. the first group. People's hips and backs. A lot of people all of a sudden need to do a lot of stretching during those classes. So it was a good time to get your stretching in for the week. <laughs> Yeah. And what about when you went into the gym floor? Did you have the whole space to yourself or were you, were you navigating through other people lifting 
we were just uh, we were just in the gym. So Darren was a, a personal trainer there, renting space, and so he'd pay yep. his weekly rent, and I worked. I then worked for him uh, within that space, and we'd be training next to powerlifters, Olympic lifters. Like yeah, right. So the interns got to see those guys train. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, some of them were a bit hostile, and it was could be a, a, a bit of an interesting environment where you have to like, no, mm. we don't use that bench because that's the powerlifters bench. We have to go over here and. Um, we'd have, you know, it was mostly adults in this gym in here in St Kilda, but then it was, we had, you know, 14 year olds, 16 year olds, 18 year olds, these kids who hadn't, didn't have much gym etiquette or gym experience. So you're kind of teaching them like, no, no, pack your weights up. Don't steal their equipment. These kids were stealing barbells and moving plates around. I was like, no, that, someone's on that. Leave that alone. That's not our gear. So Learning there's a bit of sort of Exactly. And like, big scary guys and girls in that yeah. gym too, like proper powerlifters and physique athletes and things like that. Um, so it was really good to listen. And some of them were lovely. Some of them would share their thoughts and their insights and they would offer their opinion on coaching, which was really valuable. You know, they always want our athletes to squat deeper or deadlift sumo instead of trap bar and things like that. And so some things was like, oh, they're athletes, they need to jump not to lift heavy. And, but other things mm. like their cues about how to build tension and grip strength and things they would use around that were really valuable as well. So it was really good uh, early experience uh, for me and for the company to get lots of diverse ideas before we went into our own little bubble here. And so Darren was there for, I think it was 12 years before we opened up Core Advantage, our own space. So that's a lot of time around other, maybe even more than 12 years, maybe 15, but a lot of time around other people with other ideas. And often we can like, we can foo-foo other people's ideas. Ah, they don't know, they're, you know, stupid whatevers. But yeah. You know, like there's a little grain everywhere to be taken. Like we take a lot from bodybuilding, we take a lot from physio, a lot from Pilates and yoga. Like we've got little bits from everywhere. Our program isn't just purely our own thoughts. It's the influences of all those people around us and all these other nuggets that you can take out of um, philosophies and, and methodologies. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I like that. That's it for those interns to experience that environment because I, I, I never trained a body well, but I grew up in St Kilda, so I remember looking through it. Maybe I wanted to rent a space or something and. It is a very raw gym with the plates and the, everything about it. So I can imagine, um, yeah, some of the things you'd, you'd be witnessing um, definitely would shape your experience and probably open your eyes onto what's possible in terms of how heavy people can lift, guys and girls, and uh, yeah. how big people can get. And like you said, we can draw on all these different methodologies uh, and filter into our own philosophy in terms of athlete development. And I imagine the atmosphere for the for the athletes would have been and coaches would have been something to draw on as well just to get used to that performance element of a of a high performance environment yeah it was great so they'd be watching these like these power lifters who would come in and they'd do their deadlift day and they'd ramp up to 280 320 kilos on the bar running out of room on the end of the bar to get their 20 kilo plates on and our athletes like what's going on it's like stay out of his way watch this for like focus and mm. watch them get in the zone and lock in and do their routine and, and execute the lift. It's like, that's like when you lift, like that's the kind of, that's how you would approach a basketball game or a warm up for footy. That's how you would lock in. This is their sport, same kind of idea. It's like you can take that same mentality to your lifting. It's not 300 kilos, but the same approach, that intent and that focus and being locked in and really focusing on trying to execute on the movement um, was really valuable. So it's like there's inbuilt motivation and, and uh, prestige and impressiveness in the place. It was really cool. Going back to your career journey, so within Core Advantage, so you, up until this point, like you mentioned, Sandy Zebras, Oakley Chargers, so you had experience at those levels while doing your degree, and then you did Core Advantage course, and then suddenly you're offered a, a job 
Um, and, and that's progressing relatively quickly as well by the sounds of it in terms of being able to lead the program because Darren was preparing the next space. Um, at that point, were, you, were all your energy focused on that space or did you have a few other hats that you were wearing at the time? No, that was pretty much it at this point. Um, so I was, I started the Oakley, Oakley internship before the core advantage, before I actually got offered the core advantage one. So I applied to core advantage in November. They said, no, we don't have anything. I then went to Oakley, got the under 15s role, which was just running warm ups and cool downs. Pretty simple stuff with the under 15s tack cup program back then was pretty simple. Yep. Uh, and then uh, ran that program, then got back into core advantage and started the under 18 program after the internship. So I did the uh, under 15s and the core advantage internship simultaneously. So I did two internships at the same time, which was pretty, pretty hectic with my last, last year of uni. And then yeah. before going full-time at Core Advantage, I got offered the under-18s role at uh, the Chargers, which wasn't, wasn't a role, of, wasn't because I did an amazing job with the under-15s. It was because uh, a friend of mine from Res, living on Res at Deakin, was the under-18s program guy and he was moving on. And so I then took his role in the under-18s. So it was a bit of a networking, kind of who you know kind of situation, not so much that I was this wonderkin from uh, the under-15s program. It was just that I knew him. He knew I was pretty, pretty good and pretty switched on in this place. And I was like, could you put in a good word for me? He did, and I got the, I got the role. Right, okay, um, very good. And then so how, how much did that help when you started um, working with teams at Core Advantage, that drawing on those experiences? Yeah, really good because Oakley, uh, lots of players. So you know, you've got the 20 guys that play on the weekend, but then you've also got all the, under, the bottom age kids, the under-16s will sometimes train with the seniors as well. And they've got a pretty small gym. So it's a pretty small mm. space and they kind of run in blocks. So you think, oh, we have to do speed work first, then your power work, and then go into the gym, do your strength before you go to your endurance. But because of the way the blocks worked with their training, you'd sometimes have kids coming, doing their endurance work first, then coming to the gym last. And so it's like, well, it's not perfect programming. What are we going to do? But you still had to make it work. And so you still had to work out a way to find a program that was safe and effective for all the athletes, but not dangerous for those kids who have already gone and done their really hard running. They're a bit gassed. Mm. It's the end of the night. It's cold, middle of winter. Giving them an effective training program, keeping everything healthy, making a little bit of progress without, you know, they're balancing that risk reward stuff was really interesting. So applying that and then we bring that back to the private sector. You think, oh, well, private sector, they're paying a membership. They're going to show up fresh and ready to go every time. It's like, no. In, particularly in basketball here in Victoria, kids will do 10 sessions a week on court. Mm. And so there's only seven days a week. That means there's going to be some doubles you'll get them on the back of a double coming into the gym. It's like, oh, I had school training before school and then I had a, a state basketball thing in the middle of the day and now I'm here in the gym showing up to work. Oh, what have you had to eat today? Oh, two wheat bix and a peanut butter sandwich. That's it? And they're like dragging their knuckles and they're exhausted and you've got to put them through 90 minutes of strength work. And so being able to adapt those sessions and, you know, all right, well, today's not a day we're going to go super hard. Finding something to do to still make it effective, make it worthwhile. Um, was really challenging. But yeah, the logistics stuff, you're sort of picking up those ideas all the way along, I think, through your career. I have anyway. Like, you know, no problem that's really clever. Yeah, exactly. That's a clever way to organize groups. That's a clever way to uh, set your lines up for your warm up, little things like that. That's a clever yeah. way of grouping exercises to make your equipment go a little further because we've only got so many kettlebells or whatever it might be. I think those little things. They think working in. Yeah, working in crappy situations give you a good chance to solve problems with less stuff. And I think it's kind of like uh, being a scrappy footballer or a scrappy player. They, you know, they might not be the most talented or the most athletic, but they really want it and they're really dogged yeah. and they find ways to keep progressing and keep making that next team. Um, and they're the ones that are like, 
resourceful and tactical. And I think coaches in a lot of ways have to be like that at all times, even at the pro level. Like I think even in, we, we idolize the Olympics and professionals, like sometimes they're just doing the best they can with what they've got given their context. Um, so I think those problem solving skills you earn along the way through internships when you're strapping ankles and running water and doing those kind of jobs are really valuable. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Jacob Tober. I know I got a lot out of the interview and I guarantee if you're a strength and conditioning coach to keep listening to the episode, Jacob continues to drop gems throughout the whole podcast. Just wanted to take a short break to introduce Kane Johns on episode 14 of the podcast, back when we were still doing the episodes on Instagram live as IGTVs, but also still live through Instagram platform. Uh, Kane is a sports scientist. He's worked both with the AFL men's and women's in the Melbourne Football Club, and he's got a great understanding of data analytics and how to use objective measures to not only uh, influence decision-making, but also to prevent injuries and help develop resilient athletes. So if you're enjoying this episode, continue to listen to the full episode right to the end with Jacob, and then you might want to check out Kane John's episode 14 on the Propeller Pro Podcast. How would you go about an athlete that was developing, um, that wanted to reach their potential uh, and they were willing to, to buy a GPS unit? How would that look working with you as a coach? Yeah, there's a number of different ways to do it. Obviously, there's some GPS units that are um, quite cheap. Um, I know there's the SPTs that they, I think they sell at Rebel, um, all the way up to the top um, GPS um, with Catapult, their um, T5s, I think they're called now, and, and they're quite expensive. Um, but I think depending on what, um, you know, what you're doing and what you want to monitor, obviously you're going I, – I kind of almost prefer – a almost go scale it back to a watch um whether mm-hmm. it's a garmin watch or um your i prefer garmin watches um but you know obviously you're doing your running and your non-contact stuff you can wear your watch um and then the watch needs to come off for contact related stuff thanks for listening guys now back to jacob's episode yeah was that something when you started your degree you um you knew straight away that you'd want to get a lot of practical experience or was that someone that um, someone recommended to you that, yeah, you can do your degree, but that's just the start of it. You actually need to get, build your skill set, build your coaching ability as well. That's a really good question. I'm trying to think. Um, I think I just like being... It sounds like you were doing a lot, you know, in educational yeah. and development wise. Yeah. I don't think it was strategic though. I don't think I was specifically like going, okay, I have to get practical. I have to go to footy clubs. I wasn't, Think, I think I was just trying to do stuff because I really liked it. I yep. really liked being around clubs and around teams and around athletes. So I was like, how can I get involved in more stuff? And so it was just sort of like, we would get emails from Deacon about applic- uh, traineeships and internship opportunities. And I was just like, oh, I'll just start applying for things. So I don't think I was specifically like, going, okay, t- tick, off the, tick off the theory, get the degree, tick off the practical as a, like a, a broader master plan. I think I was just kind of fumbling my, th- my way through it. I think because I liked being busy and I liked being around teams, I happened to get good experiences, I think, more so than anything. That's great advice. And it's um, something that's put you in good stead, no doubt, in terms of that progression throughout your career. Talk, talk us through your role with Core Advantage over the last couple of years and up until now, and then we'll move over to your new and exciting app uh, creation. But, yeah, what, what's your role look like now at Core Advantage? 
Yeah, so uh, the last two years, two years have been a real transition for me. So even before COVID started, I was doing a lot more work on the business side of things and less on the actual coaching. So mm-hmm. probably the last three years have been a gradual step down in my actual coaching responsibilities from full-time, coaching every single shift, you know, 35 plus hours a week, programming for 60 plus athletes. And that was my main goals, like deliver great coaching, deliver great programming, and onboard new, new members into more building systems to help our team do that at a better scale and with more consistency and at a higher level. So, uh, to, you know, marketing setups, making sure we're posting consistently to social media, making sure our, when our new member joins, they get a good series of emails to welcome them to the setup. Um, we do you have a, a marketing of- assistant that you work closely with or are you you're leading the, the market. Uh, I was campaign. kind of just fumbling my way through it a bit. It's changed mm-hmm. a bit now that we're doing the app. So we've got a bit more of a team, which is doing the marketing for the app and for the gym kind of simultaneously. So I'm more fallen back into more of a, a research and, and writing role. By the time I was yet yeah, working at the best platform to send emails from and setting up the MailChimp account and making sure all those kind of things work nicely. Um, but then we also started building our own apps in the gym. So not just the app, the, the metric app that we'll talk about in a second, but we started building testing platforms as well. So we have our own testing app suite and technology set that we use when we go test uh, combines and things like that. Um, and so we've kind of been dabbling with that technology stuff for the last 18 months, the last two years. And so I suppose as that's gotten more serious, I've gotten more involved in that. So app design, uh, UX design, the idea of making a good app that's easy to use, bug fixing, troubleshooting, things like that and then now that's now transitioned into a full role with the metric app um, which I'm basically working full-time on that not much involved in the gym or the coaching at all which is a bit weird because it's my training it's where I've got most of my experience but I'm not doing much of it at all um, at the moment so yeah. You mentioned that this was um, unfolding not because of COVID where you couldn't coach people but it was just where you were heading towards anyway is that you started to grow a bit of a passion in developing these skill sets like learning marketing and because obviously there is a bit of a draw, I find anyway, to be able to um, sell a product or uh, hook someone, which is marketing. Uh, it's very similar to explaining a new exercise or trying to get someone in an ice bath. Uh, so there is transference <laughs> to, to, to coaching in a sense. Um, but did, did you do it because you just sort of felt like, oh, I just want to grow in that area and, and be more well-rounded from a business perspective? Or was that just something that Core Advantage sort of needed, to, needed you to spend time and energy on? Bit of both, to be honest. Yeah, it was kind of, yep. um, I'd started doing more YouTube videos. So I started making videos on my own YouTube channel. Uh, I did a daily vlog for 100 days in a row where I did a sports oh, wow. science video every day. I learned how to edit videos, uh, shoot content. That was 2017, 2018, I think that was over. Yeah, so that was, was that the intention when you started every day? Were you like, I'm going to do it for 100 days from the day one? <laughs> so, so what we realized, uh, so uh, we'll backtrack a bit. 2016. Yeah. Uh, my brother Davey went to Europe for a six-month internship. He studies computer science and engineering. Brilliant guy, super smart. He was over there. Uh, at Core Advantage, things had gone really well. We started really great when we moved into this new facility, but we kind of hit a bit of a plateau. And the landscape was shifting. So mm. it was going from Facebook, easy access. You can just post a thing. It'll get hundreds of views straight away, clicks and likes, no dramas, really easy to make your content accessible to you got to pay you either got to be viral or you have to pay for ads and get your content in front of people and there's a shift towards instagram so people going off facebook it was getting a bit lame everyone's mum was on there and their auntie 
So they didn't want to be on there anymore. They wanted to move to Instagram where all the cool kids were and Snapchat. So I realized there was this shift in marketing. You couldn't just write good blogs on Facebook and reach people. You had to be a little more dynamic, editing videos, good lighting, presentation, stuff that in 2022 we take for granted when we scroll through our feeds. But back in 2015, 2016, it was the Wild West. People were posting grainy photos on their iPhone 5s and it was yuck and it was none of this aesthetic stuff we've got today. Kids under the age of 25 wouldn't understand, or maybe under 22 wouldn't understand, but the early days of Instagram was hideous. People were posting yeah, stuff. Yeah, it'd actually be funny to look, look back at it. It would be probably hard to look at. <laughs> I've deleted mine. Mine's all gone. So I reset mine when I started the VBT stuff. Um, yeah, but nice. yeah, and so there was this shift that was going on and at Core Advantage, we had no one that was good at marketing. So no one in our team was a knack for that. Like Durham doesn't really like the social media stuff too much. He's more of a sort of introvert, happy to keep things to himself. Doesn't mm-hmm. like bragging as well. I'm a bit the same. I'm just happy to be you know, good at what I do, but do it in the background. I'm, that's, I think another reason why I like the coaching is it's not actually about you. It's about helping the athlete achieve their goals and just being part of the team. Um, but we realized we needed to get rid of this marketing. So I started watching more YouTube and watching more Instagram and sort of seeing what good creators were doing. And so I started a vlog. And so while I was over visiting my brother for three weeks over uh, Christmas 2015, I think it was, maybe 2016, uh, I did a video a day. So family holiday, uh, wasn't very, wasn't super exciting, not much going on. So I was like, I'm just going to make a video of this. It'll be a really cool memento for our whole family to have. And I made 21 videos in 21 days. They're still on YouTube, but don't go watch them. They're horrible. I think two of them are okay. They're all shot on an old GoPro that the battery, because it was so cold in Sweden, the battery would only last me like 45 minutes. So I had three batteries and a charger in my bag and I was charging and swapping batteries all day, trying to make these videos. And then we'd get, <laughs> we'd get back to our hotel room uh, in the evening and we'd go for dinner at seven or something like that. And then I'd edit the video on iMovie from 8.30 till midnight. And I'd upload it, go to bed, wake up the next morning at 8.30, press submit on YouTube and go about the day and make the next video. Horrible way to have a holiday. We came back more exhausted than I left. But I learned, same as how I learned all those problem solving skills doing the internships, you know, mm-hmm. in situations that aren't perfect. I learned how to edit and make something out of nothing with the content. I was like, well, now we've got time and I'm back at work and I'm getting, you know, it's back to a normal schedule. I can actually start crafting some good videos. And so that's where the, the YouTube vlog series sort of came from. I was like, I'll make a three to five minute YouTube video every day about some topic in sports science or performance. So we yep. made a whole bunch of videos about sort of footwear and how shoes affect our performance and jumping and running technique and all that kind of stuff. And that kind of really helped push the business back up to where it needed to be in terms of reaching people and, and um, popularity and things like that. So that's that kind of how I started. Sorry. Yeah, it was a noticeable difference that getting into that, into that world of marketing and not relying on referrals. Yeah, it just added to it. And so like, and it made the referral strong. So, oh, I saw your stuff on YouTube. That's really interesting. And it really helped the internship as well. So we got really good candidates coming through the internship. So a lot of our coaches found out about us through those videos. Like, oh, I followed all your YouTube videos when you're making those sports science blogs. And then we started the podcast and sort of we started building a bit of media around what we do and sort of sharing how we work here at Core Advantage. And so kind of accidental. And then I started to like it and it was kind of systemized how to do it and started make, like making the content. I think that really helped with my communication skills as well that you mentioned earlier. I think doing those videos and forcing myself to get comfortable in front of the camera was really helpful as well. Yeah. So, it is, so you believe it, it is a skill that you can, through practice and you know, measuring what, what works and what doesn't. Were you looking at the data of views and what were some helpful things to work out what, what was a good video and an engaging one to, to one that was 
not as effective. Yeah, I was doing, I was doing a bit of that. Um, and so there's definitely topics that were more popular uh, on social media than, than weren't. And we're doing that on Instagram and on YouTube. But I also, mm. um, I had Durham giving me really honest feedback. Like he's quite comfortable telling me when something's shit or when something just doesn't make sense. And yeah. so he'd just like, he'd, he'd watch the videos like a consumer and go, you lost me. This, in the middle of this video just gets all messy and you start introducing all these other concepts that you don't need. What happened? I was like, yeah, okay. And so I think it helped with building narratives and building, building stories. I think a lot of people lack that. They, they go out and they make stuff and they're not getting any good feedback. Um, and so you, when you get good feedback, when someone sends you a message and goes, hey, that post didn't make sense. You, you, you've got two typos, that word's wrong, and then this sentence just doesn't need to be there. Mm. You can see it through a, a less filtered lens because when we make our own content and then you edit it and you go, oh, this is beautiful, or oh, I don't want to look at myself anymore, just post it, it'll be done with. But going yeah. through the process of actually going, no, you have to watch yourself, you have to learn to enjoy your good content and hate your bad content, not just hate everything because some people tend mm. to just hate the, hate the sound of their own voice and so they never watch it. But I think getting that feedback is super valuable. Um, and same for athletes. Like we're talking a lot about intern stuff today, but like getting good, honest feedback as an athlete, like, you know, athletes, their parents are encouraging and supportive. Their coaches are encouraging. This point. Having a coach go, mate, you're really not suited for that position. You need to start developing as a winger. You're never going to be a center half back. That sort of feedback at the right time can be so valuable to be like, yeah, you're right. I'm just not going to be tall enough. I'm not going to be big enough. I need to start getting faster. I need to work on my outside game or my inside game, whatever it might be to develop those skills. I think feedback is the most important gift that anyone can give another person. And we all clam up. We get so defensive when people give us feedback, um, but we should do the opposite. We should be thankful. Yeah, and it's uh, something that yourself and Durham started from day one, like your interview. It was, it was uh, open and honest with you from, <laughs> from day one. So it's something that you guys have shared that from the, from the start and obviously had a lot of success and and uh, sounds like the relationship you guys have fostered throughout this the successful business, a big part of that is being able to have give each other direct feedback. Uh, and you know, you mentioned being able to compliment each other um, in that in that sense, and how important that is to get better. And it's no different with a coach; it's almost a disservice, isn't it? If we if you've got something to to offer and you don't give it, then you're letting that athlete down or that coach or whatever it might be. Um, is it is it something that early on did you? receive feedback well from Durham when it was that uh, honest from that interview moment and then that almost because it was that honest at the very start it almost made it easier to have that relationship or was it something that you had to work on you mentioned how we can clam up um, or was it something you've always had you've, you've because you're an athlete you were used to getting feedback uh, such a good question such a good line of questions so much there to unpack we could do a whole podcast on that topic right there um, yeah. I think I think I'd always been good at receiving feedback to a degree. So I was a, I was a bit of a high achiever as a kid. Um, so most of my feedback was pretty positive at school and in sport. Like I was a decent athlete, decent student, pretty good, didn't get in trouble or anything like that. So I was always getting positive stuff. I think when Durham gave me that bit of feedback, it kind of hit me for six years. I was like, oh, I'm not perfect. Different. I'm not just mm. going to roll into a high performance job at Collingwood whenever I want. Like I'm not, I've got a lot to learn, right? And so I think that really gave me a bit of a, an appropriate uh, trim down and a little bit of a slap in the face. And it's like, okay, here's a man who's been doing this for 12 years, 10 years. Uh, he's just told me this, but he's still going to give me a chance. 
all right, let's shape up, let's make this worth it. And I think that, yeah, I think that probably set the tone for our entire working relationship was that. And I'm not always perfect at it. Like, I think there's a lot of times where I disagree. I'm like, no, I don't need that feedback. And then it's like, no, that's just your emotions getting away. And other times I need to give him feedback. Like it goes, now we're in a position where we're both mature in our, in our jobs and in our roles and what we need to do for the company. So it's a bit more, it's a lot more of a two-way ship. But in the early days, it was him giving me feedback, telling me I sucked at a thing. Jacob, you're too heavy-handed with that coaching. You, you need to dial back. Like, it's not just about te- commanding everyone. Sometimes you have to like, a bit of honey makes the medicine go down easier. A little, like, you got to be gentle with it sometimes. Um, so all that kind of stuff was so, those soft skills, I was, I was a bit too hard and fast, I think, in the early days. But now it's a lot more sort of back and forth. We can have dialogues about stuff when we need to improve. Um, and there's still times where like my soft skills aren't good enough and, and don't want to put me in my place, which is appropriate. Um, but there's other times where it's like, I will give Durham some advice. It's like, you said you were going to do an Instagram post today. You haven't. Let's go. Let's get on social. We've got to keep engaging, keep turning that wheel. So um, Keep each other accountable. Exactly, yeah. And I think the open feedback allows that to be okay because it's like, I'm not ripping you just because I want to rip you. I'm like, Jacob, I'm giving you feedback because you stuffed up that podcast. Like you listen to these podcasts and you're like, you stuffed that bit up or you weren't warm enough or you were too something or other. Like there's always a little bit of something. And like the good stuff as well is like other times you'll nail it. And it's like, that was great. Awesome work with such and such. Yeah, it goes both ways. And thinking from the athlete's perspective for a second, you, you mentioned, um, you know, growing up, going for 10, you know, 10K run before, but, you know, while you're trying to get faster and the mistakes you learnt. Uh, and then, you know, constraints of situations of semi-pro situ- you know, situation where you don't have everything laid out due to time or other players' schedules and things like that. But let's say in an ideal environment and you had your time again, what, for athletes listening, what would be um, the appropriate amount of loading that you would, you would think is important for, for, I guess, your, your 16-year-old footballer that's wanting to get faster and fitter and stronger? Obviously, it's loaded like it's a big question, but in terms of, let's say, they're training two times a week, they've got their game, um, they don't have any school commitments, um, so they do have a bit of time. Well, I'm sure these athletes come to core advantage. What, what does sort of a week look like for them? Yeah, so we tend to focus mostly on the strength, strength and power stuff. We tend not yep. to get too much into the running work because um, you can get 40 coaches a little bit angry if you sort of step on their territory, particularly if they've got a plan coming up. So we'll <laughs> see what their plan is, what it looks like, but mostly we'll focus on the strength and power work. And so for most athletes, most junior athletes, they're often undercooked in that space. So it's just, let's just get in the gym twice a week. Progressive overload, kind of a linear plan, nothing too sexy or exciting. Let's just nail the fundamentals for that first six months, get you from useless, completely weak, and you know, never step foot in a gym, to adequate at most lifts. Squat, deadlift, single leg deadlift, push up, bench press, chin up, row, good plank, those kind of things. And then from there, we start getting a little fancier. Um, in terms of running, though, I think the big mistake a lot of athletes make is they, they either do too much speed work, which is a less of a problem. They, uh, the other option is they just pound the pavement and they do heaps and heaps of slow stuff. Um, so they think their off-season just consists of 5 to 10K runs four times a week uh, and then a kick of the footy at the end while they're all sweaty. Um, a little more structure and a little more varied running program. I probably shouldn't speak too much on this, Jack, because you've got a lot more experience than I do uh, in this sort of footy-specific programming, but it would be a combo, so some fartlek work, some high-intensity intervals, some repeat sprints, some short, sharp sprints with lots of rest, so we're actually working specifically on speed. I think um, 
footballers often tend to not do enough agility and sort of change your work, change of direction work in their offseason. Everything's kind of straight lines or, or gentle bends. Actually getting some cuts in there as well, I think is particularly important. Get the adductors and the glute meds and everything like that working. Um, but to be honest with the running stuff, yeah, we'd sort of, we'd leave a lot of that alone a lot of the time. Not always, like there's sometimes we'll write a running program, but that's very specific. But more often than not, it's like, all right, you're doing your, your few games and stuff with training. We'll kind of leave that alone and just focus on the strength and power, which is where we're really good at. Yep. No, thanks for sharing. And, and the athletes, when they come in, what does the membership look like? Are they tr- can they train with um, you know, a couple of buddies or are they in a group class? What's sort of the, um, you know, what's the system for, for young athletes that want to train in the gym and maybe they can't sign up to fitness first due to their age? What does it look like at, at Core Advantage? Yeah, even if they could join up to Fitness First, as, because even if they were old enough to join up to Fitness First, I'd still recommend you go see you know, someone like Cordvange or prepare like a pro and actually get some professional advice and get some coaching in that yeah, space. It can be so dangerous. Much better, much better yeah. choice, yeah. Because you'll end up like a Jacob and you'll do long, slow runs and bodybuilder programs and end up slower. Uh, more muscles, but you'll end up slower and weaker than when you started and you'll be less of an athlete. Um, but yeah, it's, we have an un, a single membership level. It's unlimited uh, training sessions. All your programming is included. You'll join up, you'll do an initial consult, uh, and then you come in and you train according to your schedule and we'll write your program according to that schedule as well and according to your goals. We performance test along the way, so we'll do speed, power tests, things like that. Uh, and then yeah, you can come along with your mates, come along with an entire team. It's an uh, you know, open, open gym kind of model, I suppose, if you will. Uh, athletes yep. are responsible for coming in and doing their own prep and warm-up. We're not going to hold your hand through it. We want to treat our athletes like adults and give them a bit of responsibility. But the coaches are always on the floor, so everything's supervised, everything's coached. So we're here to help you make good loading decisions. Also, we try and focus on helping people make good decisions and learn how to make good decisions on their own because they're not going to be with us forever. We realize that. People will move on. They'll you know, move into state. They'll go to college. They'll get drafted. But learning how to take care and, and look after their body, either as an elite athlete or just when they fall back to civilian life, I think is a really important skill. And let's shift over to, to Metric. Um, how did you come to, to create it? I know your brother's involved, so talk us through for those that aren't aware of the app. Um, yeah, how did it come about and what does it do? How does it help athletes? Yeah, so my brother is a computer scientist uh, and he came back from Sweden and we would lift together after a shift here at Coordinators. So I'd finish coaching, he'd come across, we'd do our lift and we'd, we'd lift. And I'd always been interested in the idea of velocity-based training, which is the idea of using some sort of technology to track the speed of your lifts. So you'd, you, know, you lift uh, 80 kilos for five reps, but you also do that for a given velocity. And that velocity can tell you about your fatigue, your readiness and stuff like that when you compare that velocity to old data, say when you lifted 80 kilos last week. And so I'd always liked that idea and I showed Davey it and we started programming each other with it and I'd sort of gave him a few constraints using velocity-based training science. And he's like, why do we have to use these things with string all the time? What's going on here? What's with the strings? Well, that's just the best it is. It's like, I reckon I can do better. I reckon I can do this with like your smartphone, with a camera. I was like, mm, this has been around for a while. Surely someone's thought of it. He's like, no, 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 not, they haven't thought of it like me. And so we just started, he was already working with us. He was building the, the testing apps and the sort of the gym management systems that we were using. But he just started spending a day or two a week working on this computer vision system. The idea was you'd set your, you set your phone up, press record, it would record you lifting and it would track the barbell as you moved and give you your velocity and range of motion data without any device, just using this app on the phone. It would just like computer vision in a, in a car, for example, can now detect lane lines and things like that. It yep. would just detect the barbell. And so we started doing that two years ago. And then about a year into that, so a year ago now, it started looking really good. Like we were like, 
that's really accurate. Like it was starting to match some of the string devices for accuracy and precision. And so we're like, let's make this a thing. So that's when I really shifted to full-time on that role from the coaching. And Davey went full-time on this as well. And we started really building this thing out. We got a patent on it. So it's now patent pending here in Australia. And what it does, it's just an app on your phone. We're in, we're in, it's February now, 2022. We're in beta. So it's not live on the app store, but it will be very soon. So depending on when you listen to this, you might be able to search metric on the iPhone app store and just download it for free. Yeah, but we'll you, chuck the link in the show notes. Yeah, awesome. Um, you put press record on your phone, select your exercise, select your weight, press record, do your set, and it will track, count your reps, tell you how fast they are, provide you video feedback, graph feedback, table of your results, all that kind of stuff. And you can use that data then inform your training decisions. Yeah, and I know when we used it uh, in, at Edge Gym, I love the fact that it you know, won't track the data if you're in the wrong position. So it, it almost does the work for you in, in the sense that you're getting that direct feedback. We'll talk about feedback. You're getting that feedback from the app that you know if it's going to be reliable or not, um, which, which is super helpful when you're setting up because then eventually you'll just get to your sweet spot that you know is the right angle, right height, and away you go. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and I've, I've always liked that idea of uh, having some sort of objective metric to go with your coaching. So, you know, we tell athletes to go faster, go slower, go deeper, go, don't go as deep, all those kind of cues. If you can provide a number to go with that and go, okay, at the moment you're squatting 50 centimeters, really we probably need to be looking more like 55 or 60 centimeters. Or come on, you can hit one meter per second on that lift, a little bit of a motivational tool as well. I think yeah. it's so valuable. And it's always been, training with velocity like that, it's always been a bit of a technological burden. You got to get the device out, you got to attach the string, you got to connect to Bluetooth, you got to find the thing, you got to press play. Whereas now it's just like, grab your phone, open the camera, point and shoot, and then you can get your data right there. Right there. It's less obtrusive. It's less in the way of your training. It's more just an, a, a, a companion. It's like a little assistant coach on the side. Mm. Yeah, like you, exactly. Like rather than just having the weight of the bar, um, which is one way you can, you can measure, but for an athlete to, to know that you're actually moving through better range of motion and you've got the film there and it looks prettier as well, so the kinematics is good, and then you're moving the bar it may be the same speed, but through greater range of motion, um, you know, or, or maybe you're moving the same, a higher weight at a faster speed. So there's so many other ways that you can, you can measure how you're going. And then also, like you said, use it as a measure of uh, your freshness and how fatigued you are. So going into the season practice matches, which is not too far away for footballers at the moment, mm. you can actually quantify that, which can be super helpful because it would be hard for an athlete, especially young athletes, when you're building your bodily awareness to, no, how am I feeling and thinking about, like you said, basketball is playing 10 sessions a week. Um, sometimes when you're that cooked, you don't even know how you're feeling because you're that tired. <laughs> it's hard to actually register. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome, mate. It's so exciting that uh, you and your brother have created this. And you mentioned it's about to hit the market. How will it work for, for athletes to listen to this and say, this is exactly what I'm looking for and I want to start practicing this with my training in the gym? What would be the process to get started? Yeah, so uh, depending on when you're listening to this, head to metric.coach. That's the website for the app. It's called Metric VBT, uh, and that'll tell you the status of where the app is at right now, whether you can download it or you have to join the beta program. Um, the first version will be a free app that anyone can download and use. It'll be free, always will be, and that'll just be a basic single set analysis. So you set the camera up, you record, and you get one set's worth of data. That's just because we haven't built the other features yet, but we are working pretty rapidly to build a feature where you can then save your data in the app. So you can record your entire training history 
within that app. And you can go in there and then review your back squats and look at all your squats over time. Maybe look at velocity on 100 kilos. Just pick a number and you can see how that velocity is tracking over time. Or look at uh, what weight did I lift for one meter per second and see if that weight's going up. And so like you talked about, it's kind of a new set of goalposts, which are really Mm. relevant for athletes because sometimes more weight isn't always a good idea. You want to lift a medium weight, but with really good power or really good velocity. And so you can track that metric. Like we're going to keep your trap bar deadlift at 80 kilos. I'm going to do trap bar jumps and we're going to keep trying to get more power every week instead of more weight. And so you've got to lift with that same weight, but with more intent. And you can start tracking that with your velocity. So you can use that as the measure. Um, And so all that sort of data will be stored within metric within your account. And that will be a paid version of the app. Once that's ready to go, there'll be a subscription, Um, but all your video will be stored as well. So you could then share that with your coach, share it with your teammates post to social and brag so you can show people that you're lifting oh, wow. uh, faster yeah. than they are, things like that. Um, but I think the coaching tools are really cool as well. So if you coach uh, online or if you train online, you can then send the video with the data to your coach and go, hey, coach, here's my video from Metric. What do you think of these numbers? And they can go, yep, kinematics look really good. The video is really smooth, but I think you could be lifting this faster. 0.7 mm-hmm. is not very fast for that light of a weight. Or last week you did 0.8. Let's try and lift that a little bit quicker in terms of meters per second. Or you're only getting about 800 watts. Normally, an athlete of your size should be getting 1,000 watts. Let's try and up that. Let's try and get, hit that 1,000-watt mark. And it gives you new goals outside just you know, more weight or more reps. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So it's helping the coaches and the athletes. And for the S&Cs listening, what process did you go through to sort of make the app uh, you know, valid? Like how did, you, how did you test it or measure it against other um, ways of measuring bar velocity? Yeah, that, that process is still ongoing. So we're still mm-hmm. working on the algorithm to make it better. We've just made some big jumps this week, actually, to move to a much higher definition video that we're processing. So it's a much crisper because it was kind of having to compress the video to do it in real time. But we've now increased the speed of the app so it can now process high definition video in real time. So that means we're going to get more accurate numbers. Um, we did a day at a mocap lab and collected a bunch of data. So motion capture lab with all the com- cameras and the perfectly calibrated to the millimeter room type settings. Took a barbell in there and did a a heap of different lifts and filmed from a a bunch of different positions with smartphones so that we can get a heap of data and start comparing that to the metric algorithm uh, over time. So we're about to start that process soon of of doing that validation. But in the early days, we just got the devices we had in the gym. So we had an accelerometer and we had a string, we had one of each. We just run those two on a barbell with metric running at the same time and just compared them. And it was like, if we had a set that was way out, we'd look at that footage, work out why, and we'd calibrate the algorithm and calibrate the app to be smarter and work out what problems it was having. Oh, it was blurry at the bottom, so we need to get more frames, or it wasn't higher enough resolution, so we need to increase the resolution in order to match those known uh, and already validated technologies. Um, but the big benefit of us is you don't need a hardware. You just can download the app. So yeah, we're yeah. still working on that, and we'll do some external studies uh, over the next year or two as well. Uh, if anyone's interested in doing a study, reach out. We'd love to, we'd love to do as many as possible. Like we want, to be, we want to be pushed. We want people to push it and find our limits so we can improve it and make it as robust and user-friendly as possible. That's awesome, mate. It gives you a lot of confidence when you hear how thorough you and Daniel have been throughout this process. And uh, after using the app myself, I can definitely attest to it. So for anyone listening, make sure to keep your eyes peeled and, and watch this space. Uh, you can sign up onto the email list as well to receive updates. Is that right on the metric website? Yep. 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 Uh, so metric.coach, we're currently in beta. You just join the newsletter and then we send you an invite to join the beta afterwards with the instructions because it's not on the app store. Um, but you might go to metric.coach uh, after this podcast and you might find that we're live and you'll be able to download the app 
straight from the iPhone app store. First version will only be on iPhone, um, just because you can't, with, with one developer, we can't build two platforms at once. So yep. I've decided to focus on iPhone first, um, but we will do Android in the future. When in the future, I can't give an exact time, but Android users, we are working on that. It is in the pipeline, so it's coming. Or just switch to iPhone, get yourself an iPhone. Who's got an Android? <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll move into the lighter side of the uh, podcast now, mate, to have a bit of fun with these. But the uh, first one is which movie or TV series has impacted you the most and, and why? Yeah, so I was getting ready for the podcast. I was going back through a few of your episodes I've uh, listened to recently. When you say impacted, I've got a, I've got a caveat question. When you say yeah. impacted, do you mean impacted in my career or just life? Just has just impacted life. my life. Move the needle okay. of your life. <laughs> uh, Coach Carter is a big one as a, as a young teenager who loves sport. Sure. That, that was pretty yeah. big when I was young. Um, I watched a movie uh, when I was a late teenager called Crash. I believe it won Oscar for Best Picture. And it was about all these intersecting stories that basically were built around racism. And it was in America and these different injustices based around racism. That really opened my eyes. Um, living in a country town, I hadn't experienced much in the way of racism. It's like, oh, this is pretty heavy stuff. Um, so those two were pretty formative when I was a kid and that was my favorite movie for a long time. Um, but now uh, I really like the Marvel movies. Like I know it's cliche, but the Marvel movies are great. My partner and I, we, we rewatched those, particularly Thor Ragnarok. That's my absolute favorite. Um, yeah. We rewatch those movies more often than I care to admit as a fully grown adult. <laughs> They're really I love that. Yeah. Um, next one, favorite inspirational quote or life motto? Mm, life motto. Uh, I've had a few. I've cycled through a few different ones. It used to be like no pain, no gain. I was pretty hardcore back in my early uni days doing lots of different body, body world days. Yeah, burning the midnight oil and training hard and playing hard and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think all mottos uh, are good symbols, but they're not always accurate. So mm. I think one of my favorites is how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, more about a, sort of a, a reflection on your attention to detail and, and sort of meticulousness. And, you know, if you're going to put things away, put them away right. Uh, or if you're going to clean, clean properly. Don't half clean. Don't half do a job. Like you're all in or you're all out. So I think that's a good one. Uh, and it's a good one to keep, particularly for young athletes, young interns, like coaches notice that stuff. Mm. You know, employers notice that stuff. So if you're a bit sloppy or a bit rushed or a bit lethargic or a bit lazy when you're at work or when you're at training, they'll notice. So if you're the player who mopes into training a bit late, don't think the coach isn't, just because they haven't seen anything, isn't noticing, they're noticing. So I think how you do anything is how you do everything is a really good one for anyone who wants to move up from where they are currently. Yeah, make the next that. team, make the next job, pay a little more attention to the little things, they, they add up and they compound. Yeah, and that, yeah, like, like you said, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. They, they compound, pay dividends, bless you, and um, it, it's good habits to get into, isn't it, um, early days? What about in your work life? What, what makes you angry? What are your pet peeves? People who don't <laughs> pay attention to the little things. So they put the um, 15 kilo where the 20 kilo lives. Oh, yeah. Or, or in our gym, it's bolts out. You've got to have the bolts of the plates facing out from, the, from when you put them on the bar. So yep. the, the, the steel plates have bolts on one side and no bolts on the other. Bolts facing out all the time. 
Um, strength culture do that as well. So they have uh, like the powerlifting gym near us as well. They do uh, they have plates that have logo only on one side. So the first plate on the bar has to go logo facing in. Then the, all the rest have to go logo facing out. So you can see logos of the bar. There's no smooth plates anywhere. You can see logos on every side of the plate. It's a whole thing. And so I think I appreciate that kind of thing. So I suppose I don't appreciate the opposite, people who don't pay attention to those things. But I don't think they, I don't think they peeve me. I don't think they're pet peeves. Um, uh, I, dislike, I dislike people who say they're going to do a thing and then don't. I'd prefer they didn't say anything than promise a lot of, and then not deliver. So I think I've been guilty of that, of promising the world and then failing. Um, so I'm now trying to be more realistic in what I promise so that I match that because um, I think actions speak louder than words. There's another motto for you too. One. <laughs> uh, favorite way to spend your day off? Uh, my day off is pretty relaxed. Uh, go get a coffee. I like my coffees. So either I'll make a coffee at home and sleep in and then just spend the morning, take the for a walk or a run, uh, catch up with family. Not a hugely social person. I'm, I'm a bit more of an introvert. So I tend to use my, my days off to recharge. So sometimes I'll just be at home. I'll do some gardening or something lame and old person like that. I'm 30 now. So starting to get a little more mature. I've got a house I've got to look after and things like that. Um, but usually it's, yeah, me and my partner will take the dog for a walk or we'll go get brunch or we'll go get some stuff and make brunch at home and sit around, read the news on my phone, watch a movie, do a workout in the afternoon. Pretty relaxed. Pretty. Yeah. Recharge the batteries. Seems to be pretty yeah, common for us coaches. Yeah. And then. Hey, it, Jack, Jack yeah. I've got, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I've got a question for you. Are you more yeah. of an introvert guy? Because you're quiet spoken bloke some mm. of the time. Are you more yeah, definitely. And so you recharge on your own? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely, it's on the continuum on the strong side of introvert for sure. Uh, but then, yeah, you, I guess you adapt, don't you? Like in the coaching world, you need to draw on both. Uh, but yeah, if, I, if I'm, because of the, because our role is so uh, social, I definitely need to recharge the batteries by having my own time. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. That- I think there's a big misconception that all coaches are rah-rah out there. It's like mm. sometimes like I love the coaching. It's so fun when you're doing it. But then afterwards, like I, I need to be quiet for 45 minutes and on my own. And yeah, on my days off, it's, it's less people, less rah-rah, not more. Uh, yeah. So I think, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the data on that actually. Yeah, strength and conditioning coaches, uh, yeah, where they see themselves. Hmm. Um, and then this is a COVID-free world. Favorite holiday destination? Oh, um, I've just got back from a week off holiday. Actually, I've just been down at um, at Portsea, down on the beach, doing a whole bunch of nothing. So I think oh, that's beautiful. that's my that's my favorite single destination. If I could only go to one place, uh, go down there to the beach house. My my partner, uh, her whole extended family have a beach house that they all kind of share, and so we get that for a week every Christmas. And so we had it for Australia Day this year, which was pretty nice. I think that's my favorite single destination. But my favorite destination in a post-COVID world where I can travel and I've got my passport activated again and all that sort of stuff, I think my favorite destination would be a new destination. So somewhere I haven't been before. So uh, my partner really likes Vietnam. She really wants to take me to Vietnam. I've never been to Southeast Asia. So we really want to do that. We really want to do Sri Lanka. I really want to do Europe again, do some different countries in Europe. Um, So I don't think I have a single place that is my favorite. I haven't traveled a huge amount yet um, in my life. A couple of trips, but nothing major. But I think what I'd like to see some different stuff. So I'd really like to go to Spain and uh, do the Outback and then, yeah. 
and uh, yeah. not new an answer is my answer. <laughs> yeah, somewhere, yeah, somewhere new, somewhere new yeah. each time. Oh, I'm sure that resonates with, with everyone listening. Um, we just want to get mix it up a bit, don't we? After the last couple of years, mm. especially the Melbournians. So um, <laughs> definitely resonates with me, mate. Something new and exciting, and uh, an adventure is on the cards. That's uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your your time, your journey thus far um, in your career as a strength and conditioning coach as well as uh, an app creator, a YouTuber, marketing assistant. You've done it all, mate. You've lived a full life uh, in this industry that we're in. So thank you so much for sharing, no doubt, S2C coaches that have tuned in, physios um, and all the uh, athletes that have tuned in have got a lot of takeaways. So I really appreciate your time and, and jumping on, mate. Any, yeah, where can Thanks. people uh, find you? Where's the easiest place for any questions or queries around the app and the yeah. work that you're doing at Core Advantage? Yeah, so I'm uh, pretty active on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So I'm trying to post pretty frequently on all those. I'll answer almost any DM that comes my way. Um, so uh, at VBT Coach on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you just search Jacob Tobar or VBT Coach, VBT Coach, all one word, uh, on any of those platforms, I'll show up. I've got a website as well that I'm blogging on. Um, so I'm trying to talk, trying to share as much about this velocity-based training idea as I can, because I think it's been poorly done so far. I think it's too theoretical and too abstract. I'm trying to make it more practical so that athletes can go, oh yeah, I get that. I'll train for power. And then they can apply these ideas either with our app or not with our app. That, you know, I'm not too fussed about that. At this stage, just start using it because I think it's such a powerful tool um, that's under use. And if you've got any questions, yeah, hit me up on any of those platforms. We'll add them all in the show notes, guys. So definitely for all those athletes, probably one of the more popular ones and they want to get more powerful check out the app and, and check up Jacob's work. You'll, uh, you won't regret it. Well, thanks again, mate. Thanks, Jack. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be and then game changes yeah, game changes whatever that might be and look it probably keeps me in a job but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll hand it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent.
Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my my question to you was: you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you're having a hard time um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um, yeah. so that's that's been huge um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and yeah. and yeah, like just yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.